Chapter 1 this morning, as the passage that was read just a few moments ago by Brother John Benson, and we're so thankful for his ability and ability to, to be able to read that scripture to us as well. It's already been a wonderful day this morning. Thankful for you, for those visitors, for those watching online. Thankful for those that uh, have traveled to, to be with us this morning as you are an encouragement to us. In Mark chapter 1, here we have an account of Jesus preaching and teaching throughout all of Galilee. And while he was there, the Bible tells us that he came in contact with a certain man that had leprosy. And as a result of that encounter, the leper enjoyed a cleansing. Now, I want us to think about the title of our sermon this morning. As Jim had mentioned a few moments ago, it's the touch that transforms. The touch that transforms. When you think about Jesus as Christ, the Son of the living God, there are no doubt many, many things that could be said and about his life and about his work. And yes, he's even considered the great physician, as this is a hospital for sinners, those that are in need of that great physician. One of which is the fact that he and he alone has the ability to transform the hearts and the lives of so many people. And we're thankful for that. When you read Mark chapter 1, you will see the encounter that Jesus had with this man with leprosy. In fact, not only did Jesus make a difference, a profound difference in his life, but he made a difference in the lives of countless others. It is my conviction that Jesus can make a difference in your life. And we're glad of that. And not only that, he can transform your life and you ought to be what God would look at you to be in his eyes. And so we begin by talking about the compassion of Jesus. I want you to notice with me, beginning with verse 40 of our text of Mark chapter 1. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. First, I want you to consider the plea of this leper. It is in this context that we read about his conduct. Matthew 8 tells us that not only did this leper come before Jesus and kneel, but he says that he worshipped him. Now that says to me that here was a guy that obviously had some kind of knowledge about Jesus the Christ. He understood that this is the one that can make a difference in his life. And I wish people today could understand and appreciate who Jesus really is. If only they would honor him with that same kind of reverence and respect as well. But then I also think about his conviction. What did he say? Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now that says a lot right there. By the fact that he was a man who believed in the very power of Jesus. I know we talk about the deity of Christ and some attributes of his deity. But was Jesus worthy of his respect or reverence? Yes. 
But this man believed that Jesus had this power to transform his life. Think about leprosy and what a scourge that it was for the people in the first century. And a scourge that it has been for people throughout the centuries of time. They were ostracized. They were kept separate from everybody else. And if they ever came around anybody, they would say, unclean, unclean, unclean. That is to let the people know that leprosy, which is very contagious, that they want you to be able to stay far enough apart that you will not contact this disease. So here's a man that believe that Je- that believes that Jesus has the power to be able to make a difference in his life. Now Mark said in verse 41 that Jesus was moved with compassion. Did you know that Jesus has compassion on all who are suffering? Why yes. Over and over again we read of instances where Jesus demonstrated compassion toward those who were sick and those who were suffering or sorrowing. I think about what Matthew tells us in Matthew 14, 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 29 and following, there's the account of two blind men who heard that Jesus is coming through town and they cried out, O Lord, thou son of David, verse 30. But in verse 31, it says the multitude rebuked him because they would have, they, because they should hold their peace, but they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And they say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. That's a transformation of life, isn't it? And that Jesus has compassion on those who are suffering and those who are sick. He also has compassion on those who are struggling. You know, the Bible tells us in Matthew 9, in verse 36, that Jesus, on one occasion, he saw the the multitudes and that they were weary and scattered. But it says that he had compassion on them because of that. He said they were like sheep having no shepherd There are folks in our world today that are suffering and sick and and sorrowing. They're struggling with any number of problems and issues in life. But I want you to know that Jesus has compassion for you as well. I want you to understand that Jesus is a very merciful and powerful high priest, faithful high priest in things pertaining to to God, Just like that Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus is sympathetic to our plight in life. He is compassionate. That is, he moves on behalf of us. And he does that because he has pity and mercy because of his love. But then there is the care of Jesus. Not only do we read of the compassion of Jesus, 
but we have the care of Jesus. And I believe that it's demonstrated in his words, I will, there in verse 41. Thou canst make me clean. And he said, I will. Think about those words. A leper comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. There's a lot of things that Jesus could have said. But do you think that Jesus was so busy? Do you think that he had a lot of things on his mind? We read of some of the preceding verses back in verse 35, where he had risen early in the morning. He departed into a solitary place and there prayed. We find Jesus preaching and teaching and casting out demons. A lot is going on. And yet Jesus says to this leprous man, I will. I am willing. I want you to understand that today Jesus cares about you. Jesus cares about me. He is willing. Jesus cares because he loves you. And he loves me and he loves everyone in the human family. Jesus loves those who are straying. You know, a lot of people in our world today, they've lost their way in life. Something was said or done that discouraged them. And they've followed a different track away from God, away from Christ. But Jesus loves those who have lost their way. In Luke chapter 15, when Jesus told a series of parables, he talked about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. All were valuable. And you see that in those parables, a a representation of God's divine care and his love for those who were straying. There are people in our world today, they have clearly lost their way in life. There are some that have never obeyed the gospel and their lives are a mess. There are some that have obeyed the gospel and yet they have gone back into the world and yet their lives too are a mess. Jesus cares about those people. And not only does he care and love those who are strained, but he loves those who are scorned. It's interesting to me that Jesus often reached out to those who, in some respects, were untouchable by others in the human family. I think about Matthew 9, verse 9 and following, where Jesus went into the home of Matthew, who was a, a tax collector, and he was, he was very much looked down upon. Because all they could think about is, here's a man who's more interested in money than anything else in his life. But Matthew, being a tax collector, and the religious leaders of that day wanted to know, why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 11 of Matthew 9. They could not understand why Jesus would have anything or want to have anything to do with this quote unquote cast of society outcasts in John 8 and verse 1 and following there was a woman who was taken adultery John says she was taken in the very act verse 4 but it's interesting that they only took the woman they didn't take (coughs) the man too it's interesting isn't it to think about she was caught in the very act but they only took the woman. Now, we understand that there were ulterior motives by those that brought her to Jesus. 
But he was somebody that had no doubt made a grave mistake in their life. And they knew it. And yet Jesus will often be found reaching out to those who are scorned. Those who are looked down upon. I think about Jesus at Jacob's well. As recorded in John chapter 4. And here's Jesus spending time with a Samaritan woman. Now she was considered a half-breed in the minds of so many people. But John said in John chapter nine, or verse 9 of that text, John 4, 9, that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They didn't think that they were worthy of any association at all. And yet, what did Jesus do? Jesus spent time with that lady. He got to know her. Knew her very well. But he transformed her life. And as a result of that, not only did she enjoy a transformed life, but the Bible says in verse 39 that many of the Samaritans were transformed by her testimony. The very fact that Jesus went and took time out of his schedule, spent time with her, says a lot. (coughs) There's a second thing that I want you to see in regard to the care of Jesus. That Jesus cares about you because he was lifted up. Do you know that he was lifted up for you and for me? Yes. The Lord said in John 12 and verse 32, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Isn't the cross a portrait of the loving care of the Lord for you and for me? It is. When you see a picture of the cross, what comes to mind? When your mind goes back to Calvary and the events that surrounded the cross of Christ, what do you think about? The care and the love of our Lord to take our place on that cross? We're the guilty ones. We're the sinners. We're the ones that should die. But God so loved the world that he gave his son to take our place. A vicarious death. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, than a man layeth down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. Are you a friend of Jesus? He laid down his life for you. And then thirdly, I believe that Jesus cares because he lives to intercede for you and for me. You know, the Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews 7 and verse 25 that he ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is at work on our behalf as his people. The Bible tells us that he was our mediator. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. So Jesus is the one that has brought us together in that we were separated from God because of sin. What we once enjoyed, that relationship with God, was separated from each other because of our sin. We left God. But because of Jesus bridging that gap, becoming that mediator, that go-between, he brought us back in the right relationship with God once again 
but it's through and by and in Christ Jesus. He is living to make intercession for us. He is our great high priest, Hebrews 8.1. He also functions as our advocate. John said, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 1 John 2 and verse 1. So the Lord Jesus Christ is standing before the throne of Almighty God, pleading our case. And when we fall short of his glory, there is that assurance that we have forgiveness on the basis of his blood. And so when you think about that song that we're about to sing, that there's power in the blood, I want you to understand there's power enough in that blood to continue to cleanse us of our sins if only we repent of them as a child of God and pray that God will forgive us. And then there's a third point that we notice, and that is the cleansing by Jesus. Look at verse 41. Not only did Jesus say to the leper, I will, but he spoke these words of transformation. He says, be thou clean. When we talk about the cleansing power of Jesus, the text says in verse 42, and as soon as he had spoken, immediately, it wasn't over a process of time. It was not a wait and see. Immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. Did you know that Jesus has the cleansing power today, even in the 21st century? First, Jesus has the power to cleanse you from the stain of sin. Many of us are familiar with clothes and other types of upholstery that get soiled and stained and they become dirty and and there are things on the market that will literally take those stains out or at least try very hard to, to get them out, right? But I want you to see is that Jesus has the power, the ability to take away that stain of sin. The only way he can do that is through his blood. Paul said, in whom, that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1, 7. John would say in Revelation 1 and verse 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Paul said in Acts twenty two sixteen that he was instructed, and now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. <coughs> the Lord Jesus Christ, has the power to remove the stain of sin from your life. Now that makes me think of a couple of things. And that is, it doesn't matter how deep you are in the life of sin, Jesus can make a difference. He can transform your life. There are some folks, they are knee deep in a life of sin. There are people whose lives have been marred and scarred, tainted because of what they've done, where they've been, what they have said. And to know that Jesus has that ability to wash away them, (coughs) to remove the stain of sin. And then I think about the fact that Jesus not only has the ability to remove the stain of sin, no matter how deep, no matter how many folks that are down, 
they're discouraged. It doesn't matter how down discouraged you are about sin. Jesus can make a difference in your life. Did you know that there are so many in our world today that have the idea that they are beyond the scope of redemption? That they think they have been so bad to the point that there is no hope at all to be redeemed. They wake up and suddenly it dawns on them, I've made a mess of my life. I think about that prodigal son in Luke 15. When obtaining his father's inheritance, he went out to the far country and there wasted his substance with prodigal, righteous, unrighteous living. Verse 13. He went every, he spent everything that his father had entrusted in his care. He ended up feeding with the swine. But the Bible says in verse 17 of that text, and when he came to himself, something made him think about his lot in life and where he is. You want to talk about somebody knee deep in sin? He was in the mire in the muck of sin. Somebody who was down because of where he was in life. But notice how far down he was in life. He said, how many servants, hired servants in my father's house have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against thee. Make me one of thy hired servants. I'm talking about knee deep. That's where he found himself. He said, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me a hired servant. This guy was at his rock bottom, wasn't he? And then there's a third thing. It doesn't matter how deep you are in sin. It doesn't matter how down you are in sin. It doesn't matter how disturbing your sin might be. I think about people that that come to our assemblies, their lives are already in a turmoil. They know their lives are a wreck. And I think about people all over the globe and they're bothered by their lifestyle. When you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and you look at what some of the people in Corinth were living with and living in, how, how were, here were people that were living in fornication, adultery, homosexuality, drunkenness. There were thieves there. There were extortioners. There were revilers. Let me ask you this question. Let, let's just say that your life is upside down in sin. Many are living in fornication or adultery or homosexuality or in drunkenness or whatever. Do you really think that your sad condition... Do you really think that that scares God? Do you really think that God in heaven says, well, I'm sorry, I just can't do anything for you. The devil wants you to think that you are behind hope, beyond hope, which is not true. There is still hope. The devil wants you to give up. Don't even think about it. Listen, the church exists today to bring glory to God and we are in the soul-saving business. We are interested in people. 
People whose lives are marked by sin. Why? Because we have the remedy. We have the answer. And as we sang just a few moments ago about the great physician, the answer to a life that is burdened by sin is Jesus as the Son of God. Here's another thing about Jesus, and he has the power to remove the strain of sin. When you, want, when you went to sleep last night, what was on your mind? What were you thinking about? A lot of folks, they go, they go to bed at night, and they toss and turn, they can't sleep, they wake up in the middle of the night, they can't go back to sleep. And do you know why that is? It's because they're burdened by guilt that they're living in sin if their heart has not been hardened so much that they don't believe that no more. They know that they're living in sin. They know their life is a wreck. It's a mess. And they've got this weight of guilt, this burden of guilt, and they can't rid themselves of that. Let me tell you what. I know who can rid them of that. Jesus can. You might have saw the sign as you came in this morning. A clean conscience makes a soft pillow. I hope that you can have a clean conscience. Paul said in Romans 5.1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll sleep like a baby. I'm not saying that there are no consequences to our action. I'm not saying that, that, that we will not that we'll be problem-free in this life. No. But you'll have the peace that passes all understanding so that when you go to bed at night, you won't be thinking about the past. You won't feel the weight of the guilt of sin. You'll be gone, the strain of sin. And then what about the shame of sin? Is it not the case that Jesus has the power, the ability to remove the shame of sin? We, we read just a moment ago about this leprous man that Jesus reached out and touched him. His life was transformed, if you will. Transformed, changed. We're talking about the transforming touch of Jesus. I'm here to tell you that nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus has that same touch and he can transform your life. He can remove the shame of sin. He'll make you somebody in the kingdom of God. There are many people in our world today that they're ashamed or should be ashamed of what they've done in the past. But when you come to Jesus, says Christ, when you turn your life over to Almighty God, He will remove the stain of sin. He will remove the strain of sin. And He will remove the shame of sin as well. You know, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, you need to remember, he's writing to people that had been in the very muck and the mire of sin. And he said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Why is that, Paul? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He'll make you somebody. Jesus made those people clean he made he made them somebody and when you look at the life of the apostle paul and you think about what he has done as a zealous jew acts 9 acts 22 and acts 26 he was persecuting and making havoc in the church there was this 
complete change, as I talked about last week, that happened in his life. His life was transformed. Jesus made a difference in his life. And he had a complete change. This, the life changes that came about all because he encountered the Savior. So here's a classic example, if you will, of somebody whose life was transformed by the power of Jesus. He can transform your life. And I promise you, he can. He can make you somebody. He can, you, you'll be able to leave here with your head held high, knowing that you have Christ and God in your life. And if God can be for you, who can be against you? That's a message that we have to offer to people today. Sin is bad, but we have the remedy. We have the good doctor, don't we? The great physician. I know that in every assembly, there are always people that think about making a public response. And I've had people tell me that I, I thought about going forward, but I just didn't do it. Or maybe there was a distraction and, and it took my mind off that at the moment. Please understand you don't know what the distraction might be if you were to get up during the singing of that invitation song. That it could cause somebody who's probably white-knuckled holding onto the pew in front of them that wants to make a change in their life and they're about to do it and all of a sudden there was this distraction and then they let go. Don't let that be you. Make a difference in your life. Let Jesus transform your life by coming forward and letting it be known, I need help. I need the great physician. I need Jesus as my Savior. I need God in my life. And let's take care of that. This morning. You might be here not a child of God. We hope and pray that you'll make that decision this morning. By faith and believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that belief to make a change in your life called repentance. And then to make that good confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then put him on in baptism where you will contact the blood of Jesus. So that when you rise from that watery grave you'll be able to walk in newness of life, a Christian, a child of God, to then continue to live faithfully to his cause and to his will. You might be here already a child of God, and maybe you haven't been living in accordance to his will. Repent of that and pray that God will forgive you. We're here for you. Let us pray with you and for you. The song of encouragement, number 223. There's power in that blood. But that power doesn't mean a thing if you don't do something as together we stand.